Thanks for listening to this sermon from River of Life Alliance Church. We hope the Holy Spirit uses it to point you toward Jesus. If you call River of Life home, we'd encourage you to join a journey group where you can unpack our sermons with a group of people who want to get to know you, who will care for you, read the Bible with you, pray over you, and serve alongside you. Uh, A couple things I want to share with you. Operation Christmas Child. Uh, My oldest daughter and her family are Alliance missionaries in Kosovo. Uh, The Alliance is responsible for uh, distributing all the... uh, uh, Operation uh, Good News uh, Christmas boxes uh, in Kosovo. Uh, Kosovo, of course, is a war-torn country. They're still clearing landmines over there. And uh, they go out to these villages. In Kosovo, there's 70 to 75% unemployment. And uh, the truck pulls up, and uh, the principals work uh, with the missionaries. And, uh, and uh, about 10 o'clock, they start handing out boxes, and they let them have a school holiday for the rest of the day. And they come back in, and they go through their boxes. And uh, for some of the kids, that's the only gift they get all year long. And the neat thing is, in every box, in their language, which is Albanian, uh, there is like a comic book that gives the gospel. And so that gospel goes to every home. It's, it's a great thing to participate in. And I, I've seen it up close and personal, and I, I hear how the church in Kosovo is blessed by it. And I uh, just want you to, to know that. Uh, I think that's good to know. One other thing I wanted to share with you is uh, last Sunday we, uh, we shared kind of a, a giving report that how in the first quarter we fell $11,139 behind. That is giving to budget. In the second quarter we fell $10,556 behind. And then in this third quarter that we just ended, we fell $65 behind for a total of uh, $21,760. And I just ask you to pray about it and pointed out the offering box in the back. You need to know what you did as a congregation last week. You need to know what God did. Uh, last week's offering is uh, the largest that uh, Julie and Verna can remember, uh, $21,856. <laughs> I mean, only God could do that. I, it, it's almost spot on to the amount we were behind. This is a five-Sunday month. We still have two more Sundays. We could easily end this uh, month even or better than even uh, with a little bit of a surplus of giving to budget. Isn't that awesome? Amen? I mean, yeah, give yourselves a hand. I, To me, that's a God thing, and uh, you need to acknowledge God things and and be uh, thankful for them, and, uh, and God used you guys in a terrific way. I uh, just took hearing about the need, and uh, wow, <laughs> I don't know where it all came from, but, uh, and somehow it all fit in that little box. I, <laughs> I just, uh, yeah, unbelievable, and, uh, and uh, you should be commended on that, and we should be aware of that. Uh, if you have your Bibles today, I'd like to have you turn to 1 Samuel 16, We're going to read verses 1 through 13. If uh, you're looking around and missing people today, you need to know that uh, there are about 37 men uh, at Camp Cedar Edge for a retreat, and uh, that's going strong. I wish Barry Furukawa were here. Uh, He showed me a picture of a fish he caught this week, and it goes from Barry's chin to his waistline. It's a rainbow trout, and he caught it up at Vega. He caught it on shrimp. 
I couldn't get any more information out of him than that. <clears throat> but, uh, but he is going back to Vega fishing again this week. <laughs> and uh, and uh, if uh, he were here, I would be introducing him this morning because he caught a hog. I'll tell you, it, uh, it was a beautiful sight. I asked him if he was going to have it mounted, and he said that he and his family had eaten it already. So uh, it won't be mounted, but he does have a couple great pictures. Next Sunday, ask him to see his pictures because uh, they're worth looking at. I'll tell you. First Samuel 16, verses 1 through 13. Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long uh, will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go, and I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite. Well, he was from Bethlehem. For I have uh, selected a king for myself amongst his sons. But Samuel said, How can I go? When Saul hears it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. You shall invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you are to do. And you shall anoint for me the one whom I designate to you. So Samuel did what the Lord said and came to Bethlehem, and the elders of the city came trembling to meet him and said, Do you come in peace? He said, In peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me uh, to sacrifice. He also consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. And then it came about that when they entered, he looked at the oldest son and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look uh, at his appearance or at his height or his stature, because I have rejected him, for God sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And then uh, Jesse looked at the second son and made him pass before Samuel, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Next, Jesse made the third son pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. And thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, are, there, are these all the children? And he said, There remains yet a youngest, and behold, he is tending sheep. And then Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for he will not set down until he comes here. So he sent and brought him, and now he was ruddy with beautiful eyes and a handsome appearance. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for, uh, for this is he. And then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward, and Samuel rose and went to Ramah. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you give us eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart and mind to receive and comprehend. And Lord, I pray that you would anoint your word and that it would powerfully settle into our hearts and lives. And I pray that our response would be one that, that pleases you and blesses you is our Heavenly Father this morning, and we'll just thank you and praise you, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now remember last week as we consider the heroes of the faith, we're working through and we came to Samuel, the last judge, but, but we really spoke about Hannah, his mother, being a woman of faith. Samuel was the last judge of the judges and one of the first prophets. And Samuel had the distinction of anointing Saul as king and then again in anointing David as king after the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. 
In the Old Testament, you see that the Holy Spirit comes for specific occasions and uh, lights on certain people for a certain time. And the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament is kind of in and out. We will talk more about that next week as we talk about David and Goliath and giants in our lives. Uh, remember, it was, it was on the day of Pentecost... Uh, after the ascension of Jesus, after his death and resurrection, that the Holy Spirit was poured out on the universe and was made available for you and I, the common man, to be indwelt and filled by. So in the Old Testament period here, it was simply for a special occasion, a special time on special people. Saul was anointed. Notice they pour out the horn of oil. The oil in Scripture is always the symbol of the Holy Spirit. That's why when we pray for those that are sick, we're to anoint with oil because it's not we who heal. It's the Lord who heals by his spirit. And so, so we find that Samuel had this uh, uh, opportunity to anoint uh, Saul. The spirit of the Lord uh, departed from Saul, and now the spirit of the Lord is poured out upon King David. Uh, this week, I saw a story at uh, with 60 Minutes or uh, Dateline uh, NBC or one of these news programs, and it was about a group of doctors that are working in Afghanistan and Iraq that are working with children that have been disfigured because of the war. Uh, when you have things blowing up, uh, uh, improvised explosive devices, and you have bombs and all this kind of stuff, uh, there's... Uh, there's uh, collateral damage. There's families that are torn apart. There, there are kids whose lives are really messed up. And they had this little boy on there. He was about five or six. Uh, uh, he had no ears. It looked like he was missing parts of his cheekbones. And, and these doctors were planning reconstructive surgery on him. And they intervo- interviewed the little boy, and he was able to speak broken English. And he had this to say for the camera. He said, I I don't look very good on the outside, and he didn't. But he said, inside, I'm really cool. <laughs> and and the thing is, we tend to be an outside culture. We tend to look at the appearance. We tend to judge by outward kinds of things, and uh, and we don't get past the outside many times to the inside. And yet this little boy over there in Afghanistan, I believe it was, he knew that on the inside he was really cool. And, uh, and uh, we're going to see this morning that God looks at the inside and we're going to be looking at the inside with him. Uh, in our culture in this day of youth and physical fitness, nothing wrong with youth, nothing wrong with physical fitness, uh, I, wonder, I wonder how many of us ever get beyond the, uh, uh, the outside. You know, uh, I've been in shape my whole life. Uh, round is a shape. And, uh, and we simply need to be aware of that. Now, notice what the Lord said in 1 Samuel 16 here, verse 7. As, as he's talking to Samuel, he says, But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or his height or his stature because I have rejected him. For God sees not as man sees, for man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. God looks on the heart. 
And when we come to David, we're going to see that David was a man with all of his foibles, all of his problems, all of his brokenness. He was still a man after God's own heart. In 1 Samuel 9, uh, the second verse, it says, uh, He had a son whose name was Saul, a choice and handsome man, and there was not a more handsome man or person uh, than he amongst the sons of Israel. From his shoulders and up, he was taller than all of the people. You see, when the people wanted a king, they looked on the outside. And the person they chose was Samuel. And Samuel, uh, not Samuel, Saul. And, And in choosing Saul, we find that Saul would have made a great politician. Saul was taller than anybody else around him. Scripture says that People came up to, to his shoulders, but no higher. He, he kind of lorded it over him. Uh, he was good-looking. He was handsome. He was charismatic. Uh, he he would have made a great politician. He really would have. But we find that, that the Spirit of God departed from him. The Spirit of God departed from the people's choice. And we find that, that God's choice looked much different. In fact, uh, David was kind of an afterthought. He was out with the sheep. The neat thing about sheep herders in this day, and maybe even today, is that everything they owned, they wore. And they slept in it. And, uh, you know, on the farm in the old days, you bathed on Saturday because you went to church on Sunday. Uh, Back this far, I don't think they even bathed on Saturday. You know, maybe they bathed once a year. And so they were woolly, they were rough, they smelled like sheep. Uh, it's interesting about David, God's a God of positive, uh, uh, he's just a positive God. And so what does he tell us? He says, uh, David had nice eyes. Did you catch that? <laughs> this guy had nice eyes. He says, he's kind of handsome, but, but, but he had nice eyes. And, and, you know, you can do that. I'll never forget, my father-in-law was a pastor and, a uh, lady in his congregation did a painting of the church one time and gave it to him, and he was looking all over it, and he says, oh, these are lovely stained glass windows. That's kind of like saying you have nice eyes, you know. And you may have nice eyes, uh, but, uh, but Scripture is just able to say you have nice eyes. And then they say he was ruddy. Well, he was out with the sheep. He was out in the wild. Uh, uh, he had a ruddy complexion. Uh, I have a good friend over in uh, Cleveland, Utah, that uh, does sheep, Wade Jensen. He's always looked like Willie Nelson, even when he was 20. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, not when Willie was 20, but when Wade was 20, he looked like Willie in his 70s, okay? Uh, and, uh, and, and Wade's got a ruddy complexion. And uh, Wade uh, loves the Lord and knows the Lord. There's something about working with sheep, okay? And... Uh, and David was that kind of man. Well, we know that he had nice eyes, but what did God see in David? In 1 Samuel thirteen fourteen, it gives us a bit of a hint uh, where it has this to say. In uh, actually Samuel thirteen fourteen, it says, But now your kingdom shall not endure. The Lord has sought out for himself a man after his own heart, and the Lord has appointed him ruler over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Now, this is God talking to Saul, and he says, you're being replaced, and you're being replaced by a man who has a heart after 
my own heart. And so, 1 Samuel 13, 14. And then if we go to the New Testament in Acts, Acts 13, 22, it tells us this. It says, after he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king, whom he also testified and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart who will do my will. So what was it about David's heart? We know that David's heart was just as flawed as our hearts. We know that David was just as broken as we are. We know about David's uh, big sin, how he was out on the, the roof of his house one night and he was looking over on other roofs and and he saw Bathsheba, and Bathsheba was taking a bath. And he didn't just kind of catch a glimpse of her. He, he looked, and then he looked again, and he looked hard. Now, I don't know about you, but it's always astounded me that it was Bathsheba, and she was taking a, a bath. Is that, did that ever strike you? I wonder if that's where we get bath from, you know. I just, I haven't done a word study on it. But here's Bathsheba. She's taking a bath. If he was out on his roof, he accidentally saw her and he went on his way. He would have been fine because we're confronted with sin all the time, according to the book of James. But he allowed that confrontation to come inside and work its way from the inside out. And it caused him to to commit immorality, adultery, and it caused him to commit murder. And yet, he's a man after God's own heart. I think there's a couple things we need to learn from there that, first of all, there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. And, and secondly, there is forgiveness. First John 1 John 1.9, if we'll confess our sin... He's faithful and just to forgive us all unrighteousness. Now, that's not a license to sin, but I want you to know that there is life after sin, and we see that in the heart of David. So today I want us to examine our own heart and ask ourselves, is it a heart after God's own heart? If we look at uh, David's heart, we begin to see what God is talking about as he talks about King David having a heart after his heart. We're going to look a lot in the book of Psalms, which is really the, the Jewish hymn book. Uh, and uh, you just go to the middle of your Bible, and there's the Psalms. And we're going to find that a bulk of the Psalms were written by King David. Uh, King David had a wonderful musical gift, and, uh, and God blessed that. And so a lot of these are going to be in David's own words that we read, and his words become a reflection of what he is in his heart. Uh, on the back of your half-sheet bulletin, there, there's an outline, and you can follow along as we go. Uh, the first thing we're going to look at is the fact that David had a pure heart. Had a pure heart. 